Good morning. You can go ahead and be seated. We are in week nine of our study through the book of 1 Timothy. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and go there with me to the book of 1 Timothy. This series has been entitled God's Blueprint for the Church. Because as you read through and as you study the book of 1 Timothy, you can see it's clear that Paul was giving Timothy a blueprint for how to have a healthy, strong, pure, God-honoring church. This morning we're going to pick it up in chapter 3, verse 8. Last week we looked at uh, the qualifications for elders in the uh, first uh, seven verses there of chapter 3. And so as you're, as you're turning there, I'd like to start with a story that Stephen Cole once said. He said, a farmer had a team of horses in which one horse consistently worked harder than the others. The farmer said, they're all willing horses. The one's willing to pull, and the rest are willing to let him. And friends, isn't that so often the exact same thing that we see happen in the church? What I would tell you is that everybody in the church is willing. Some are willing to serve, and others are willing to watch other people serve. But everybody's willing. And so, friends, that attitude affects all parts of your life. Unfortunately, there's a lot of Christians today that, that hear an opportunity to serve, whether it's from the announcements or from the pulpit or from the small group, and immediately, instead of saying, oh, I, I, I can't wait to do that, or how do, I, how do I get plugged into that, immediately, a lot of people, their minds go to the excuse machine. Well, here's why I'm unavailable, or here's why I can't do that. Here's why I'm, I, I'm not able to serve in that opportunity. And I think that one thing that a lot of Christians wrestle with and they have wrong is that serving is only for the leaders of the church. That's wrong. Megan hit the nail on the head. To be a Christian means that you are a servant. Right? If you call yourself a believer, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, what you're essentially saying is, I'm a servant. I'm a doulos, right, in the Greek, right? I am a, a bond servant. I'm a servant of Jesus. If you are a Christian, you serve. It's what we do. Serving should mark your life as a believer. It should mark your life. Another story, a man used to visit a tiny country general store that had a clerk named Jason. And Jason seemed to be the laziest man on earth. And so one day he noticed that Jason wasn't around anymore. And so he asked the owner of the store, he said, hey, where's Jason? Oh, Jason retired, the owner said. Retired, huh? What are you going to do to fill Jason's vacancy? And the owner replied, Jason didn't leave a vacancy. Jason didn't leave a vacancy. Sadly, that same thing I think could be said of a lot of Christians today with regard to their service for Christ. There's some people that, hey, when they leave a church or they leave the world, they leave no vacancy because they didn't do anything. They just took, but they never served. They never gave of themselves, right? They didn't leave a vacancy. Every Christian should leave a vacancy whenever they leave a church Whenever they move, whenever they leave a neighborhood, whenever they leave a city, whatever, listen, that person should leave a vacancy. Why? Because something they were doing is now not being done. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Anybody with me this morning? All right, very good. I want to get into the word this morning. Before we get into the word, um, I want to pray again. And uh, I just want to make sure that, hey, we're, we're submitting to what the Holy Spirit is going to call us to do. Here's what I know today. 
I know we're going to talk about deacons and their roles, but one of the primary things that mark a deacon is service. So this idea and this topic of serving is, is going to be hammered home throughout the time today. It, it was, it's just what the text calls for. With that being said, I want to have the Holy Spirit turn off the excuse machines in our minds. Can we do that? But I, I want to pray and I want to just say, Lord, just change what you need to change. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we do come before you humble, knowing that we can't change anything in our own strength. We don't have the power to do that. And so, Lord, for some of us, Lord, we struggle. We struggle with serving. We struggle with maybe we feel like we don't have the time or we don't have the energy. Or, Lord, we may feel like I don't have all the answers or I don't know everything that I think maybe I should know. Lord, we just have a lot of excuses. And so, God, help us to see where you're telling us to serve. Lord, help us to know and help us to, to be challenged and convicted this morning. Some of us need to feel convicted. We just do. Uh, because we're not serving. We're not using the gifts that you have given us to help build up the church, to help serve our families, to help serve our neighborhoods. A lot of us, Lord, we struggle with just being takers instead of being givers at the same time. And, Lord, the church is not all about taking. It's also about giving and serving and building. So, God, I'm praying this morning that whether it's sin that's causing us to, uh, to, to, to not believe or for us to not hear from you, uh, Lord, whether it's just our fear of the unknown, whatever it might be, Lord, there's a million opportunities, not just in our kids' ministry, but there's so many opportunities for us to serve and serve throughout the week, not just at church, but in our community, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our jobs. Lord, help us to, to turn off those excuses. Lord, turn those off for us. Help us to hear only from your spirit. Lord, I know the enemy would love nothing more than to keep a lot of people on the sidelines. And, Lord, I'm praying today you would say, no, it's time to get in the game. Time to serve, not just at church. Time to serve in your family. It's time to serve in your neighborhood. It's time to serve in your city. It's time to serve at your job. Lord, we are called to be servants. And so, Lord, I pray that you would have your way in our lives this morning. Make us who you have called us to be and who you have designed us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's get into the word this morning. First Timothy chapter 3. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep a hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then, if there is nothing against them, then let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 13, if you're wondering, just, just so you know right off the bat, that's the reward for serving as a deacon, right? That's the reward for serving, right? They have served well, gain an excellent understanding and a great assurance of their faith. One of the ways you know, right, that you are a follower of Christ, that you, that you know Jesus, one of the ways he's saying is, hey, are as you're serving, as you serve well, as you serve your, your family, as you serve your church family, as you serve the Lord well, it's one of the ways that you know that you're a believer. Last week we examined the office of, of pastor. And today we're looking at the biblical guidelines for what a deacon is called to be. And it's going to be helpful for us to look at the book of Acts here very briefly. 
for a little background on what was the first appointment of deacons in the early church. So hold your place here in 1 Timothy, but go to the book of Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. I want you to see the first appointment of deacons in church history here. So Acts chapter 6, verse 1. The Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered, that's the twelve apostles, gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. What, what happens with Stephen? He's the first what? Martyr. So you, just so you know, he's the first martyr. It's probably why he's listed first here. Um, you have uh, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, uh, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a, con- a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Now, what we can gather from that text right there is that these men were called and they were appointed to serve in the church. They were called to care for the physical needs of the people in the church. Why? So that the apostles wouldn't have to neglect the prayer and wouldn't have to neglect the teaching of the word of God. The Greek word that we get our our word deacon from, it comes from the Greek word diakonos. And it means a servant. It was used as somebody who did common ordinary tasks. And so one idea when you look at the qualifications of a deacon is you is if someone's going to be a deacon in the church, we have to look and go, do they serve? Like not are they going to serve, do they already serve? Let, let's look at their history of serving, right? Their role should be one of a servant. I would tell you this, it's important for every single church to have deacons. Why? Because deacons help care for the church. They help care for the spiritual and the physical, emotional, right, uh, needs of the church. Deacons exist to help make sure that the, the pastor, the elders, can focus on prayer and can focus on teaching the word of God. Elders, we saw last week, have the responsibility of handling the word. They have the responsibility of teaching the word of God. Deacons don't have that responsibility placed on them. Deacons don't have to be teachers, don't have to have that gifting. And so whether we've been officially set apart as a deacon or not, everybody should be marked by a servant's heart. If we're going to be Christians, all of us should be marked by a servant's heart. Everybody. Amen? Like All of us should be marked by a servant's heart. Lauren Sani once said this about servanthood, and I thought this was great. He said, a businessman once asked his Bible study group this question. How can you tell if you have a servant attitude? How can you tell if you have a servant attitude? By the way you react when you're treated like one. By the way you react when you're treated like one. Jesus literally came as a servant. So why do we serve? We serve because of Jesus. First and foremost, it's because we're trying to emulate Jesus. Amen? Jesus came, he, he steps out of heaven, he comes and he lives this life all for the purpose of laying that life down on the cross for you, suffering for you, accomplishing for you what you could not accomplish for yourself. 
You couldn't accomplish or have eternal life. You couldn't live a perfect life. You couldn't be righteous. Jesus did all those things for you. He came to serve you while you were his enemy. He came to serve you. Serve. Serving marks Jesus. Amen? Serving should mark the followers of Jesus because of Jesus. So everything we're talking about today, if you don't get this part right here, you're going to miss everything. It's not going to make sense. It's not going to last. You serve your family because Jesus served you. You serve your church family because Jesus served you. You serve the people at your job, whether you like them or not, because Jesus served you. You serve the people in your neighborhood, know them, like them or not, because Jesus served you first. Serving marks the believer. True believers serve Jesus, and they serve other people. It's what marks them, right? Uh, one, of the, one of the things that all Christians long to hear said over their life one day is what? Well done, good and faithful servant. Not well done, good and faithful pastor. Not well done, good and faithful deacon. Not well done, good and faithful church member. Not well done, good and faithful Christian. Well done, good and faithful servant. Servant. And so this morning we're going to look at what are the characteristics of a deacon. What are these characteristics? What are the qualifications of somebody who's going to be a deacon in the church? What does Paul say? Number one, deacons are to be worthy of respect. He says in the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect. Paul says that deacons, like the elders, like the pastors we talked about last week, have to be worthy of this word respect. When considering a man or a woman for the office of deacon, we have to first of all ask, is he or she worthy of respect? Right? Will they be dignified? Will they take this responsibility seriously when it comes to serving in the church? Will they take this seriously? Will people in the church be able to respect them? Right? Deacons have to be godly. Deacons have to be righteous. They have to take their walk with Jesus Christ very seriously. Basically, do they hold up as a, as a good example for the body of Christ to model their lives after? Right? Can people model their life after you? Should people model their life after you? You know, in our world, just because you call yourself a Christian doesn't mean that your life is worthy of being imitated. I think we've seen you know, too many examples of men and women over the last several decades who claim to follow Christ but would be very far from being worth imitating your life after them. Very far from that. And so in order to be a leader in God's church, and, and hear me on this, just in case you forgot, New Beginnings doesn't belong to me, it doesn't belong to you, it belongs to Jesus. This is God's church. And so in order to be a leader in God's church, we need to have and follow God's plan. We need to follow God's blueprint. Okay? And so in order to be a leader in his church, whether that's in an official capacity as a pastor or a deacon or a small group leader, one of the qualifications that we have to ask is this, is can people model their lives after you? Do you set a good example for other people? Right now, I want you to hear me on something. It doesn't mean are you perfect? Like that's not the question. See, some of you hear, well, my, I'm not perfect. Th that's not what we asked. Nobody's gonna be perfect. Everybody needs to repent and trust daily. Amen? You see that thing right there, the cross? The cross exposes all of us that we repent and we trust daily. 
That's why Jesus came. Okay? So that's not the question. The question is not, are you perfect? But does your life point other people to the grace, to the hope, to the mercy, to the love that Jesus Christ offers? Does your life point other people to that? Are you serving God? Are you serving your church family? Are you serving the lost in a way that is worthy of respect? Number two, deacons have to be sincere. Some versions uh, say double-tongued, right? He says deacons are to be worthy of respect and sincere. And what does this mean? It means that a deacon can't be somebody who tells one person something and tells somebody else something different. A deacon is somebody who will tell the truth and with love as their aim because their goal is not to please man. Their goal is to please God. So they're not sitting here saying, well, I got to tell you this and tell you this because I got to keep everybody happy. No, the deacon, right, or the servant, right, tells the truth in love. And sometimes the truth wounds us, doesn't it? It does. Somebody who's going to be a deacon has to be sincere. They have to be sincere. They have to tell the truth in love. Sometimes deacons are given greater responsibilities, and they have to be sincere, listen, in, in the eyes of the Lord in all that they do. A deacon has to be somebody who sticks by what they say. A deacon should be someone who, who not only says he believes in and lives according to the words of God, but they actually obey the word of God. They got to obey the word of God. Let me ask you, you ever been around a person who will say something to, to one person and say something completely different to another person just because they're scared of the conflict? They're scared of what might happen? That person's a people pleaser. People pleasers can't be deacons. Can't, right? Why? Because that person's not being sincere. Like sincerity has to mark the, the life of a deacon. A sincere person is going to speak the truth, and they're not going to change their mind. They're not going to change their words based on who their audience is. It's going to be the same truth regardless of who's listening. That's what's got to mark a deacon. Sadly, in a lot of churches today, you have a lot of people who are more like politicians than genuine, genuine servants of, of God. What I would tell you is I'm really glad and I'm incredibly thankful that that has not been my experience here at New Beginnings. The deacons here are truly men of God. Truly men of God. The deacons here at this church are truly men who love Jesus Christ. The deacons here are truly men who would die. They would lay down their life for their church. They would lay down their life for Jesus. What I want you to know is that the deacons here at this church, they love Jesus. And because they love Jesus, they love you. They love you. Some of the things that mark and how I know that they love you is they pray for you. Did you know that? There's, a, there's these, these men in this church who are deacons, and you may not know this. You may not pray for anybody else, but they're praying for you. You're getting prayed for by people who don't even know you. Maybe, you do, maybe they do know you. And they should know you, right? We want to, you to know each other, but they pray for you. You know, the deacons meet so that they can think of ways of how they can serve you. They meet to think of how they can serve you better. They're the ones who bless you when you're in the hospital. They're the ones who come and bless you with a hospital visit. Like, these guys are genuine lovers of people and Jesus. Amen? 
And the reason I share all that with you is not so that you give them a big old pat on the back, although they certainly deserve it. You should love them. You should give them a hug and tell them, hey, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for all the times you prayed for me and I had no idea you prayed for me. I'm grateful for all the, the ways that you serve our church behind the scenes and you never get credit for it. For all the things you do and no one ever tells you thank you. Listen, they do all those things because they are sincere. Right? They're sincere about Christ. They're sincere about his church. They're sincere about you. And here's what I would tell you. <clears throat> if you are not a member of this church, you need to change that a ASAP. You need to change that ASAP because um, you are missing out on an extra level of care that you're not getting if you're not a member. Because the deacons here, listen, they, they, they care for the members of this church. Membership is how we, we know who we're accountable for in front of God. It's one of the ways that we know, hey, this is a person that we need to care for. They're going to help care for the church, but we're going to care for them. A membership helps us do that. Here's how you can become a member at New Beginnings. On March 27th and uh, April 2nd, from 6 to 8 p.m., we'll be doing our membership class. Some of you need to come. Right? You want to be a member of the church. You want to have, uh, uh, be able to vote and things like that in business meetings. And, and you want to be cared for and you want to be able to serve and lead. You have to be a member first, right? And it's not about, you know, you know, paying dues. It's not about, like, there's no, like, fees or anything like that. It doesn't work like that at all. It's completely different from what the world does. Again, membership in the church is all, is, is all based on who is the church responsible for in front of God, right? And you by saying, hey, I want to be a member of this church, you're saying, I'm going to commit to building this church, but the leadership of this church is responsible to care for me, to, to help me grow, and I'm responsible to help build the church, Right? It's, it's, it's mutual. Do we see? So, so what you see is, hey, on, on March 27th, right, the first part, week one, and then April 2nd, two parts, 6 to 8 p.m., we're going to have a membership, membership class. Next week we'll have a sign-up for that uh, if you want to be part of that, or you can let me know today. But I want to ask you this question. Does sincerity mark your life? Does sincerity mark your life? Are you sincere in your faith? Are you sincere in your walk in Christ? Are you sincere that when you say that you're a Christian in the world, does your actions match your words? Can the lost and the dying world around you, can they, can they at very least, listen, they may not accept what you say. Can the lost and dying world around you, again, they may not accept what you say, they may reject what you say, but can they at least say they are sincere about their faith? They are sincere about their faith. Can that be said about you? Number three, deacons can't be controlled by alcohol. He says it in the same way. Deacons are worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine. And so somebody who serves as a deacon can't be controlled by alcohol. We talked about this last week, right? We should not be controlled by anything other than what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what is to control us, right? We're not to be controlled by not just alcohol. Let me just open it up. You're not to be controlled by any other substance. We don't have to look too hard at the world around us to see the devastation that alcohol brings sometimes on a lot of people who struggle with that. And so we certainly want to choose people who serve as deacons who have a very good testimony in that area, right? Gregory Brown, a scholar, once said this on the subject. He said, this was especially important since serving wine was a common gesture of hospitality in homes. Deacons often traveled to house to house to care for members, and if they were addicted to wine, 
They would be tempted to become drunk and shame God and shame his church. Therefore, deacons had to practice moderation with alcohol, if not full abstinence. This is true for deacons and Christians in general. Scripture does not forbid drinking alcohol, but it does caution against it and forbid drunkenness. We understand? Right? Uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he said, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is what? Beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Right? And so I think it's a really good idea to ask this application question here. How would you describe your use of alcohol? How would you describe your use of other substances? Are you mastered by alcohol? Or are you mastered by any other substances? Number four, deacons can't be greedy for money. Again, he says, in the same way deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. And so the final qualification that's given here in verse 8 is that deacons cannot be greedy for money. The NIV says that they can't pursue dishonest gain. The office of a deacon requires a person of integrity. Why? Because sometimes deacons have to do things and make business decisions in the church. Sometimes they have to make financial decisions, or they're, they're part of that, or they're preview to that. And so when it comes to financial dealings, you, you have to be able to trust that that person doesn't have dishonest motives. Amen? Like, have we not seen that, right, in, in, in church history, where there's been people who have dishonest motives and they steal from the church? Like that, that has happened. It, it happens, and it's a spiritual, spiritual concern, which is why Paul says they can't have dishonest gain. And so I want to ask you, how are you growing in financial faithfulness? Right, this isn't just a question for the deacons. How are you growing in financial faithfulness? How are you using the money that the Lord has entrusted you know, for you to help manage his kingdom, to help build his kingdom? Or does the money you have, is it only building your kingdom? Number five, deacons must be well-versed in the word of God. They must keep hold the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. What Paul means here by this verse is that deacons have to be strong in the area of doctrine, but more importantly, they have to be strong in the gospel, right? The idea here is that there was a truth that was previously hidden, but now it's been revealed. And so a deacon has to be somebody who's very strong in their convictions, right? And convictions are always to be based on what? The word of God. Right? Your convictions are to be based on the word of God. And as James says, you can't just be a hearer of the word of God. What? You must be a doer of the word of God. A deacon has to be a doer. They can't just be someone who comes and sits and hears. They also have to be someone who implements and puts the word of God into their life. Deacons have to be people who are marked by studying the word of God. Again, not for the sense that they have to teach it. Right? That they have to get up and preach. That's not the idea here. But certainly there's some hard verses in scripture. And deacons have to be people who are searching out those meanings and those mysteries. Why? Because they're helping other people to, to learn the word as well. They're serving other people by sometimes maybe answering questions that maybe if the pastor's not around or elders are not around or whatever. They're, they're there to serve. And, and they're to be well versed. They have to know the word. And so I want to ask you, are you a student of the word? Right? Are you living out what you learn? That should describe all people, that we, should, we live out what we learn. Amen? Here, here's what I would tell you. And I want you to lean into this. Hear me on this. Friend, hear me, please. 
if you're not in the word, if you're not growing in the word, but you're calling yourself a Christian, you might be more, doing more damage to the kingdom of God than helping it. Why? Because you as a believer, if you're not going to be in the word of God, if you're not going to uh, submit to the word of God, if you're not going to follow the word of God, you're probably going to contribute to other people shipwrecking their faith. Because you're setting a poor example. You're not living according to the word of God. How can you live according to the word of God if you don't know the word of God? You have to know it in order to live it and to apply it. And so, brothers and sisters, please hear me on this. This is not for me to sit here and beat you down. The idea here is let's pull ourselves up. Let's go. Let's get into the word of God. Let's study it. Let's be people who don't just hear, but we study, we obey, and we do. Amen? Deacons have to prove themselves faithful, number six. Verse 10, they must be first what? Tested. And then if there is nothing against them, then let them serve as deacons. The NASB version says, let them serve as deacons if they're beyond reproach. Um, and so that speaks to the idea that the deacon has to be first without uh, reasonable grounds of accusation uh, of sin against them. And let me just tell you something, just like we saw last week, it takes time to test somebody, doesn't it? Oh, it takes time. You don't just test somebody in one little afternoon and say, okay, you're good to go. No, it's, it's, it's over time that we're watching you. We're, we're having conversations with you. We're seeing what you do. Right? You're, you're, you're being evaluated. You're being tested. And listen, that's a good thing. It's an opportunity for you to prove yourself faithful. But it's also an opportunity for the church to sit there and say, yeah, we support this person. They've been tested. And they have proven themselves faithful. Right? And let me say this. It's really easy. I'm just going to be blunt, Okay? It's really easy for us to feel pressured to put somebody in a role of leadership in the church prematurely because there's so few people who are willing to serve. Because there's so few people who are willing to serve, it's so easy for us to go, let's just put them in there. They're not ready, but we'll just try to help them. We'll come alongside them. There's just not enough people. No. Still can't be. Why? Because we still have to be wise. We still have to have some patience in that area. Why? Because not... Um, we don't want to put a person in the position of leadership until they have shown themselves as faithful. That is the calling. Whether the church has a lot of leaders or not, it doesn't it give you a license or an excuse to say, we're going to circumvent what Paul said or what God said here, and we're going to put somebody in prematurely. Nope. Nope. We're to trust God. We're to be patient, knowing that God's going to provide He'll provide the right person at the right time to make sure that the needs of the church are always met. That's what God does. Uh, I want to I kind of share this with you. It's worth noting that there was a, a lot of leaders in, in biblical history tested as servants. Listen carefully. Joseph was a servant in Egypt for 13 years before he became the second ruler in the land. Moses cared for sheep for 40 years before God, God called him. Moses cared for, for sheep. Joshua was Moses' servant before he became Moses' successor. David tended to his father's sheep when Samuel anointed him as king of Israel. Even Jesus came as a servant and labored as a carpenter. The apostle Paul was a tent maker. What do I want you to see here this morning? Lean in. First servant, then leader. First servant, then servant leader. 
right? The, the, the servant part never goes away. It's now just servant leader. Are you with me? Like for all of us as, as, as leaders in the church, first a servant, then a ruler. First a servant, then a leader. I want to ask you, how faithful are you right now with what God has entrusted you with? How are you faithfully serving? Some of you right now may be making excuses. Well, I'm, I'm young, or I'm this, or I'm that. No, you don't get to make excuses. You don't get to check yourself out on this one. If you call yourself a Christian, you've got to a- answer this question. How faithful are you right now with what God has entrusted you with? How faithful are you? God is not going to give you more responsibility. He's not going to give you more responsibility to lead in the church until you are faithful with what he's already given you. You want more? Serve well. You want to do more for the kingdom? Serve well with what he's already given you. Do it to the best of your ability. Do it all for the glory of God. Right? Whether you eat, whether you drink, do everything what? For the glory of God and watch God give you more opportunity to serve and lead. Number seven. Yes, deacons can be women too. Verse 11. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect. Not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. I want to take you briefly over to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. The Apostle Paul. Romans 16, he said this, verse 1, I commend to you our sister who? Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Sincrae. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her help or any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including who? Paul. The word servant, right, is um, right there, it's, is, it's supposed to be like the feminine of deacon, even though there's really no uh, feminine form uh, at diakonos. And some scholars, again, believe that, that Phoebe was a deacon in the church. And so this is possible. Why is this possible? It's possible because there were women in the early church who served by visiting the sick, by caring for other women, by uh, you know, helping the poor, by visiting people in jail. There were a lot of women who served in the early church in those roles. Now, some have argued the other side that women can't be deacons here. And Paul is saying, no, 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 women can't be deacons here. It's not what he's saying in verse 11 because he's just talking about the wives of deacons. Some versions, even the ESV, says something like that. But as many scholars have concluded, it, it makes absolutely no sense that Paul would give qualifications for the wives of deacons when in the preceding text about elders, he doesn't give qualifications for the wives of elders. He never says, hey, the pastor's wife has to be these qualifications. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that in Timothy. He doesn't do that in Titus. He doesn't do that. And what we know is that elders hold a higher office than a deacon and a greater responsibility, and they're more accountable than deacons. And so, friends, the office of deaconess here is um, clearly referred to, in my opinion, in verse 11. Um, even John MacArthur says the same thing. John MacArthur, you guys know who he is. And John MacArthur is, listen, he's, he's adamant that women cannot serve in the role of, uh, of elder or pastor, but that it is open for women to serve as deacons. Now, there is parameters to this. 
And I will go into that here in a second. But what I would say is this. Paul didn't refer uh, to, to the women in Romans 16 or elsewhere because di- diakonos, which we talked about earlier, that Greek word for servant, it doesn't have a feminine form. There's not a feminine form of that word, so it's not like there was an opportunity for Paul to use that word there to describe women other than just using the same word. And so during the first centuries of the church, the role of women, right, servants, was to care for people who were sick, to care for the poor, uh, to care for strangers who were passing through a church, to, for, uh, to, to, to care for people who were imprisoned. They were also to help baptize and disciple new women converts. They were to help instruct children and other women too. And so whether, you know, women like Phoebe or somebody else, you know, held a special official title in the church or not, what I want you to know is that Paul commended her as a highly proven servant of Christ. And he implored the church at Rome to receive her in the Lord. Amen? That is, you cannot argue that. That is something that is clear. Now, I will very, 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 very briefly present the other side of this coin too, to be fair, for those of you who may have a differing opinion. And friends, I would just say this. It's okay for us to agree about, uh, disagree about secondary issues. Can we hear that? It's okay for us to do, disagree about secondary issues. But the Bible in other places does not give a ton of support for women serving as deacons. Like you're not going to find another place where it says, yeah, you know, the women can serve as deacons there. But what I would tell you is this. The Bible doesn't disqualify women from serving as deacons in other places either. It never disqualifies them. And so just like it does with the office of elder or office of pastor, it does disqualify women from serving there, but it doesn't do that for the office of deacon. Now, if a church does have women serving as deacons, the church leadership should make sure that her position aligns with Paul's instructions on women in leadership to make sure that there's no contradictions, right? To make sure that everything fits and works the right way. Now, women who may serve in the position of of deacon... They have to make sure, the church leadership has to make sure that her life meets the qualifications that Paul has already listed out, right? She has to be, like we discussed earlier, of her male counterpart, she has to be worthy of respect. So if a woman's going to serve as a deacon in a church, she has to be worthy of respect, just like we would look at a man and say, is he worthy of respect? Can people inside the church and outside the church respect this person? Also, the woman cannot be a slanderer. The NASB version presents the idea that she will not be um, a malicious gossip. You know, a lot of churches and a lot of people, maybe even you, at some point in your life, you have suffered because somebody gossiped about you, right? Somebody hurt you, someone said something behind your back instead of to your face. And so it's always the responsibility of those who are in the leadership of the church to model the biblical approach to dealing with difficulties and to dealing with hard people. Matthew 18, 15, Jesus said this, Here's the biblical model for dealing with problems in the church. Jesus said, if your brother or sister sins, what do you do? Go and point out their fault. But what? Just between the two of you. If they listen to you, what? You have won them over. Now, as a woman who serves in that role, as she controls her tongue, she's an incredible example to the rest of the body, including other women. Why? Because she has influence over those women. Somebody who is in a position of leadership, whether they're a small group leader or a children's ministry leader or a deacon or a pastor, you, that comes with influence. It just does. And so as a, as a woman models these things the right way, she has influence other, over other women. She's also to be temperate. 
Uh, that same idea is found all the way back in chapter 3, verse 2. And the idea here is that a deaconess should be somebody who's clear-headed in all situations. Right? She can't be someone who's controlled by her emotions. She's got to be clear-headed. Right? The ministry of a female deacon requires that she be thoughtful in her actions. She has to be clear-headed. She shouldn't be flighty. She's got, she can't be unstable. She's got to be somebody who is, she is well-seasoned in the word of God, and she's under control of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Just like we would say of, of her male counterpart. Uh, faithful in all things speaks to the idea that she should be trustworthy in everything. So we would look at, if we were saying, hey, we're going to have a, a female deacon, we would say, is she a faithful wife? Is she a faithful mom? Does she serve well? Wherever she's already been serving, does she serve well? Right? Is she a faithful friend? How does she, how does she lead you know, people in the word of God? These kind of things. We would ask these questions. Lastly this morning is this, number eight. Deacons have to run their homes well before they can manage the things of God's house. Verse 12, a deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and a great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. If somebody doesn't serve their family well, then here's what we know. And I've seen this. If you don't serve your family well, you're not going to serve the house of God well. The family of God well, you're just not going to. And so no doubt one of the major issues and areas that Christ is going to look at when he's judging the faithfulness of his servants, hear me on this, he's going to look at your family life. God's going to look at your family life. Husbands, he's going to look at how did you lead your wife? How did you lead your kids? Women, he's going to look at how did you lead your kids? How did you serve your kids? How did you serve your family? Your family life is going to be evaluated by the Lord. I'm not sitting here and saying your family has to be perfect. Whose family's perfect? Mine's not. And I love my kids, but they're not perfect. They're not. <laughs> they're not. But what I would tell you is this, is that faithful servants of Christ, they, they care for their families. And they care for their families first. Did you hear me? They care for their families first. Nobody, none of us, is to put our church family in front of our family at home. Your family at home is your first ministry. Period. Can you hear that from the pastor this morning? Your family at home is your first ministry. But also hear this loud and clear. There have been a lot of people who have hid behind that right there. Oh yeah, my family is my first ministry. Why? Because they never want to lift a finger in the church. There have been way too many people who have gotten by and said, well, I'm just serving my first, my first family, my, my first ministry. Great. Serve that family well. Serve your family well. Serve your first ministry well. But don't forget, don't think that you're excused from not serving in the church. Oh, you are, you are going to be held accountable. How did you serve your family and how did you serve God's family? When you stand in front of Jesus, believer, hear me on that, you're going to be evaluated. How did you serve? Did you serve faithfully? God has given you gifts, and he's given you specific gifts to build up, hear me on this, not your family at home. He's given you gifts to build up the church family. So you're not excused from this, although you are going to be held accountable first and foremost for how you served your family at home. Nobody gets to be uh, without excuse on that. 
So the question I have to ask you, obviously, is are you running your household well? Are you running your household well? How are you helping your family to grow in Christ? Is your family first? If you're struggling with this today, don't just sit in, in the weight of conviction. If you're struggling and you want help, talk to myself, talk to one of our deacons, talk to somebody and say, hey, somebody come alongside and help. Right? Like this is why we're here. We're here to help each other and encourage each other, not sit there and point fingers and accuse people and kick them when they're down. Like we want you to serve well. Amen? Listen, I, I know as, as a pastor, I'm going to stand in front of God for how I led my, my family. I'm going to stand in front of God for how I led my church family. But I also want to be, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, because, hey, I came alongside even the broken and said, how can I help you? What can I do to help you? How can I serve you? How can I make you a better, how can I help you to be a better dad? How can I help you to be a better husband? Right? How can the church help you to be a better wife or a better mom or a better sister, or a better brother, a better son, a better daughter. How can the church help you? That's what we're here for, right? To help each other, to spur each other on for holiness. You know, most of our study has been directed at the qualifications for deacons. And certainly, we would evaluate people based on these qualifications. But I'm going to try and wrap up uh, very soon with this. I want to ask you this. All these qualities that we talked about, are these qualities evident in your life? Are these qualities evident in your life? Right, we noticed that, and we noted that a deacon literally means what? Servant. Somebody who's a servant. How are you doing serving? How are you doing serving? You know, God calls every single believer to serve. So how are you fulfilling your God-given calling of being a servant? I mean, we just had a, a sister up here. I want you to know, uh, Megan, she comes up here, and, and listen, she's doing everything she can to fill spots over there. This is just one example. Fill spots every week for people to go and serve our kids' ministry. Uh, can I just tell you something? At New Beginnings, we value kids. We, we don't view our kids' ministry as babysitting. Like, you might be in another church, and they just call it babysitting or care. No, we, we want to disciple our kids. Because we believe that kids disciple other kids, right? So there's this opportunity, this incredible opportunity. And I'm, look, listen, I'm talking to the women first on this one. There's this opportunity for you to come alongside and say, hey, Megan, you needed how many more did she say she needed today? Eight. Megan, I'm going to be one of the eight. I don't know about the others, but I'm going to be one. If you're not serving, hey, step up, serve. This is a great opportunity to serve. She's not even saying, I need you to come and teach. She's just saying, hey, I just need someone to come and be a, an assistant, someone to help. Come on, I know you can do that. I know you can do it. Right? How are you serving your God-given role in the church? Listen, one of the roles that women serve in the church is, is taking the lead on serving our kids and ministering to our kids. It's how God has equipped you. God has equipped you in a different way than he's equipped men. Just has. Everybody, if you have keys in your pocket or in your purse, take them out. Take out your keys, your keychain. You got a house key, you got some type of key, take it out. You have a key fob, whatever, just take it out. Okay? Take out your key. Jingle it a little bit. Ooh, listen to that sound. 
Sounds like Christmas, right? Now, on your, your keychain, there's a lot of keys, right? Yeah, some of you are like, I don't even know what that key does anymore, right? Or some of you are like, okay, we're going through our keys later on today, right? But what a key is designed to do is a key is designed to unlock a specific lock, right? It's designed to, to give you access behind a certain door or behind a certain object. Each key has been uniquely cut for a specific purpose, right? I have a bunch of keys. And on my keychain right here, look at this. They all are like the same length. They all look the same. I think they're all made by the same company. Quick, quick it or quick set, something like that. Can't read it. But look at that. All these keys, they look the exact same, but let me just tell you something. I can tell you this key right here opens the sanctuary door. It will not open any other door. It will only open the sanctuary door. This key right here only opens my house door. I can look at it and say, yeah, that opens my house door. This one here opens the office, the church office. This key right here opens all the other doors on campus. Four keys, four different things, and then I obviously have my gigantic car key, right? All of them, same length. All of them, same shape. All of them open only one specific thing. Does that make sense? Each key has been specially crafted for a special place. In our context, God is the master key. He's the master key. God opens everything. But he has uniquely crafted every single believer for a specific place in which he wants you to make a difference. Each one of you is crafted in a specific way for a specific thing to make a difference in a specific place in this church. Every single one of you is one of these. Crafted by the master crafter, which is Jesus. What I would also tell you is this. If you're not serving, there's some door that's not being opened. Because you're the key that unlocks that. If, some, if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, something's not getting done here. Because God has tasked you with it. God has said, I've designed you, I've called you, I have you, you're going to do this. All of you have been crafted to serve in a specific way. I want you to hear that loud and clear. You hear that, brothers and sisters? I don't care if you're you know, 12 years old, 11 years old, if you're 13, 14, if you're you know, 18, if you're uh, 75. It doesn't matter what your age is, you are crafted to serve in a specific way, and if you are still drawing breath, you better make sure that you're serving. Amen? Why? Because you're missing out on so much. Right? You're missing out. And what did Paul say here? Here He talked about the deacons. Listen, the people who serve well, they have this assurance of faith. Let me tell you, there is that assurance that we have in Jesus. Man, it's, it's, it's worth more than its weight in gold. Amen? More, more than anything in this world. To know that when you take your last breath here, you'll take your first breath with Jesus in heaven for eternity. To know that, to, to, to not have the, the burden or the weight of wondering what will happen to me. To have the assurance of faith that I have a relationship with, with God. Serving is one of the ways that you know that. Brothers and sisters, let's step into it. Let's make sure our lives are marked by service. Amen? Let's pray. Father, you're good, you're faithful, you're 
awesome. You're so powerful. You're all-knowing. You're everywhere. God, you can do anything. There's nothing you can't do. Lord, we've talked about serving, and uh, Lord, we, 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 we recognize the call on our lives to serve, but still a lot of us are, maybe even in this moment, still, still dealing with the excuses. I'm too busy. I don't have the energy. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. God, help us to recognize and realize that, God, you give, and you're the one who gives in abundance. And, God, if you've called us to something, you will meet every single need in it. We will lack nothing. So, Lord, there's nothing that you will call us to do that we will lack on. You'll supply every need. You'll meet us where we are. But, God, sometimes you're waiting, saying, will they actually step out in faith? Will they trust me to meet their needs? So, God, I'm, I'm thankful for people like Megan who has, you know, taken on this, this leadership role and trying to make sure that we have someone to serve in our kids' ministry every single week. And, Lord, I know we're harping on that, but, Lord, that's a great need in our church right now. And so, Lord, we're kind of like the persistent widow, asking and asking and asking. And, Lord, right now I'm praying that your Holy Spirit would move in the hearts and the lives of our people who are hearing this right now and saying, I will be one of the eight. I will go up there and gladly serve. Lord, let's meet that need today. Please, Lord, we beg you to meet that need today. Lord, we also think of all the many other ways that we can serve in our church. Lord, I know there are people here today who are not deacons, who, who, who you have designed and called to be a deacon. And so, Lord, they, we need more deacons. We need more. Why? Because we want the body of Christ to be served incredibly well. So, Lord, we pray that you would continue to raise them up, that you would make that calling clear on their life, and you would make it call, that calling clear to our other deacons who are already serving. Lord, I know they carry a big burden. The deacons of our church have served, and they've served for a long time, and they've served well, and I know they want to continue to serve. God, I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful that they answered the call, and they said yes. They took the responsibility. They have, they have met that responsibility. Lord, they have served you and they have said, I, I will lead your church, Lord. I will, I will come alongside. I will do things that maybe other people may not want to do. Lord, I know that many of them have not gotten thank yous. They've not gotten pats on the back. Lord, right, Lord, right now I pray that you would just bless them in a mighty way for their faithful service to your church. Lord, let them know how much we appreciate them. Amen, New Beginnings, do we appreciate them? Amen. Let them know, Lord, that, that they are valued. We cherish them. We're grateful for them. Lord, they are really the backbone of our church. Lord, we pray, though, that you would help to spread that responsibility onto some new people as well so they don't have to carry all this weight on their, on their own. Lord, raise up more deacons. Lord, I, as I looked out here today, I see quite a handful of people that I would say, hey, this person should be a deacon in training. This person should be going through that process of being tested and, and, and helped to grow into being a deacon. We have people. So, Lord, I pray that you would also facilitate that, that it wouldn't just be something we talk about. It would be something that's executed 
and it would happen. Lord, as we're coming up with, with Easter and, and that's coming here very soon, Lord, Lord, we just pray that we would be a faithful witness in the season that's coming. Lord, we would be a faithful witness. We would, uh, in our jobs, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, Lord, in our own lives, we would preach the gospel. Preach the gospel well. We would be faithful. We would minister well to our, our city. Holy Spirit, we need more of your power. As we sang about earlier, Lord, that you would send us with fire, send us with, with power into the world. Lord, help that not just to be words that we sing, but please from our heart for our own lives. Lord, help us to not be satisfied when we don't have your power, when we just only have our power. Help us to not be satisfied when we're not filled with fire for you. Lord, I think that's one of the, the, the indictments on the church as a whole in America is that, Lord, we're satisfied with the things of the world. Lord, break our, break our hearts, as the song said, break our hearts. And, Lord, that we have to have our hearts broken sometimes so that we lose the affections that are set on the world and the things of this world so that they can be set on you and your kingdom. Lord, again, I just pray that you would, Lord, receive honor and glory from everything we want to accomplish as a church. Lord, use us in a mighty and profound way. Make service mark our lives like we talked about. Lord, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. Lord, we're not going to rush through it. We're going to give you the praise and honor and glory that you so deserve. God, we pray that it would be just a blessing to you, that it would bring you glory and honor. Jesus, we're so grateful for you. Jesus, your church here at New Beginnings loves you. We, we want to see people come to know you here in our city. We want your word to travel outside of these four walls. We pray that you would use us. Lord, use us. Use us in any way you want. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray and ask these things. Amen.